Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Sacrament of Matrimony, Soul Patrol, Jess Romero. And Anita Romero. Here. In the Old Testament, there was a pretty powerful couple named who? who? Tobias and Sarah. And in the New Testament, there was a pretty active, powerful couple that was missionaries with St. Paul. They was? Prisca and Aquila. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, we're trying to be, they're our models. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're still we're, falling short. Of we're, their, very short, of but their, it, uh, we're, we're a work in progress. Yes. By the way, this is the month of February. And in Catholic tradition, what happens in the month of February? Well, by tradition, the Catholic Church dedicates each month of the year to a certain devotion. So this month, the month of February, is dedicated to the Holy Family. One of the prayers yes. that we pray at home, Anita, we, we end a lot of our prayers mm -hmm. in, in the morning and the evening. We'll say, I'll go, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. We love you, save souls. I'll do it again. This is what we do this. Yes, this is beautiful. the way the Romeros, we Absolutely. end our prayers. We'll say, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. We love you, save souls. So we try to call upon the Holy Family every single day in the morning and in the evening because we, we that's the tail end of our prayers. Right. You know who taught me that? I the Terry Barber did like 25, 30 years ago at a family conference. Yes. Uh, Terry Barber's just been just wonderful for our spiritual walk because he's shared so much through the uh conferences that he's held and he continues to do it yeah. he has not stopped he's like an ever ready battery yeah. <laughs> hey by the way Anita, we've got a special guest today yes we do his name is don Knowles. yeah we're gonna be we're gonna meet him in a few hours because we're right. driving over to scottsdale arizona yeah uh, in person but we're gonna have him on our show yeah we're gonna be he's on the, so, he's on the show right now we're, we're gonna all... introduce him but we're gonna meet him in right. person face to face mm -hmm. In about probably, uh, I don't know, two or three hours. Yep, two or three hours. Because we're we'll driving to Scottsdale, him. Arizona. Yeah, we're going to drive. After the show, we're just going to hop in the car and take off to Scottsdale, Arizona. To a prayer rally, a three-day prayer rally. Yes, yes. So, uh, hey, my friend Donald knows I haven't met you in person yet, but welcome to the uh, to the Jesus 911. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Anita and Jesse, again. <laughs> Donald, Donald, I've heard so much about you. I've watched a lot of your videos on YouTube. Uh, we have mutual friends, obviously, uh, Roy and Cindy. Uh, Donald, uh, can you tell us a, a little bit about yourself so the audience gets to know who you are in relation to this devotion that, that, that you share around the world, the holy face of Jesus? So who is Donald No, and how did you get involved in the holy face of Jesus devotion? Okay. So um, I am the uh, president of the Society of the Holy Face of Jesus. It's an organization, it's a not-for-profit organization that promotes the devotion to the Holy Face through holy hours of reparation. Um, I am also a uh, member of the uh, Confraternity of the Passion. I, I took a vow to promote the Passion of Jesus years ago. I also took a vow to promote the Holy Shroud, and I was fortunate enough to take that on the Shroud itself, that, that vow. Also, with, with my vow to promote the the passion of Jesus, I was fortunate enough to take that vow on the body of St. Paul of the Cross, uh, who founded the Passion Disorder. Mm -hmm. so, um, so anyway, so basically that's who I am. Uh, how I got involved in uh, the, the Holy Face, the devotion to the Holy Face, or the Holy Shroud, it began with the Holy Shroud, which began with the Passion of Jesus. 
when I was uh, eight or nine years old, I used to go with my father and my brothers to a passionist monastery on Thursday nights. So we used to help make rosary beads. Mm. Now, uh, 60 years ago, <laughs> I'm, wow. I'm 68 now. So, uh, so, um, and at that time, you know, you had a lot of people that used to help out, you know, make rosary beads. So anyway, uh, one night, Father Bryce, um, very uh, dynamite, passionist priest. I loved him. He loved me. He, he's looking at me. I'm sitting at a table and he, and he motions over to me. And I, I come over to him, you know, and, and I said, yes, Father, what is it? He says, Donald, I feel compelled to tell you this. I said, what is it, Father? He says, Donald, every day of your life, pray the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. So I looked up at Father and, and I said, the whole rosary? Every day? Yeah, he knew this was coming from an eight-year-old. So, so he said, all right, look, he says, pray that fifth decade, the crucifixion of Jesus. And I did. So that's what instilled in me from a very young age, a love for the passion of Jesus. When I was 12, 13, my second spiritual director gave me a book, A Doctor of Calvary. Uh, and he said, you know, Donald, use this to study uh, the, the passion. So my love was the passion. The Holy Shroud was my textbook, if you will, to study the passion of Jesus. So I knew at a very young age, every nook and cranny, scourge mark, whip mark, strike and crown um, at a very young age, you know. And I just started doing presentations. When I was 18, um, I got a phone call from a friend of mine and they said, uh, Donald, there's a woman in New Jersey who would like to meet you. She has a message from God for you. Now, I'm, again, I'm very careful when I hear things like that. Because God provided very solid spiritual direction for me. So I went to my spiritual director. I said, I go see what this woman has to say and come back and we'll discuss it. So um, I go to meet Dolores Immaculata Jew, affectionately known as Mama Jew from Orange, New Jersey. <laughs> so, um, so I go to meet Mama and uh, Mama said, God wants me to show you something. And the women that brought me there, she said, go wait outside to the women. And so I was in the house alone with this little woman, about four foot nothing and a half, you know. <laughs> and she brings me in this room and she opens a cabinet. And inside this cabinet is an image of the holy face of Jesus, which is bleeding in front of my eyes. Mm -hmm. So she left me alone in the room for about 15 minutes. And of course, you know, I, I prayed in front of that image. And she came back in the room and she said, Donald, come into the living room. So I go into the living room. She's sitting on a couch. Next to her is a priest, Father Dante DiGirolamo from the Archdiocese of Newark. Mama says, Don, I have a message from God for you. I says, so I understand. What's, what's the message, Mama? So, uh, and she looks at me, you ever see those posters of Uncle Sam? You know, I want you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This little woman, four foot nothing and a half, points at me and says, God wants you to promote his holy shroud. You know? How old were you? So, How old were you? That's when I was 18. I was very young, 18. you know. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, so over my life, you know, that's what I've been doing. The Holy Shroud, and then which, which morphed into the Holy Face Devotion, which we get from the Holy Shroud, you know. So that's how it started for me. My uh, father, Dante, was the president of the society just prior to me becoming president. When he died, I took over. So tell us... Um... What is the history of the Holy Face devotion? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So the, 
the holy face devotion itself is, is first of all the only devotion that morphs with time and with occurrences that are going on in society uh every devotion pretty much stays with its focus but the holy face devotion seems to morph in reparation for different things that crop up in society at one time in the middle ages it was against profanation of of sundays and and the holy name and um and now and then it was communism you know and um and now in america there's a lot going on which i'm sure we're going to discuss later and uh so it went from france to italy to the united states mm. uh, but it's the only devotion also that has apostolic origin um so and what i mean by that is first of all it's jesus himself who gave us this image uh, it was not a painting right where where Mm -hmm. from an apparition that said, paint an image according to what you see. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself made this image. Mm -hmm. That image that's on that burial Absolutely shroud correct. is no accidental byproduct of the resurrection, and it's the resurrection that made that image. Wow. Jesus didn't raise from the dead, look behind him and go, oh, the apostles are going to kill me. I left my image on this cross. <laughs> There's a reason for that image, and it's unfolding in our time. It's within God's divine providence. Pretty much that's what I spent my life doing is trying to unfold God's plan. Not so much what made the image, but why the image, you know, what was God's plan? What was his design? So from a very young age, that's what I started looking at for and, and looking in the gospels uh, for the shroud. So, but the devotion to the Holy Face was for, for uh, its first half of history was veneration, okay, well, adoration. And you can call it, if you want, the first Eucharistic adoration. That's the body, blood, soul, and divinity. That's Jesus's blood that's on that image. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the first centuries, uh, the apostle Jude was the first one. He was commissioned to bring the holy face of Jesus, or the burial shroud, to Odessa, Turkey, to give it to a king who was, here, who was uh, suffering from an incurable disease. We feel it was leprosy. Um, so, uh, so St. Jude, when we see him depicted in art or a statue, you know, we see him with the flame, which depicts him as an apostle with the club that he was martyred with, but also with the medallion, with the holy face of Jesus. Okay. Mm. So in the first century, there were no medallions with the holy face. Yet we see St. Jude with this. What that actually was, was the shroud folded up, placed in a frame where the face was showing. Wow. Mm -hmm. He presented to the King Abgar in Odessa, Turkey, and uh, he was healed, the king, immediately, and Odessa became the very first Christian city. So um, it stayed in Odessa for hundreds of years. Now, unfortunately, you, you know, um, we use relics in times of war, you know, for, for defense. Mm -hmm. So the 900s, Constantinople sacked Odessa for the holy face, brought it to Constantinople. So it's very long. Donald, hold that thought, my friend. Hold that thought. I hear the music. Uh, You're listening to Jesus 911 Friday show. We got Donald Knows, an expert on the holy image. We'll be right back. Stick around. Why? 
back jesus 911 with jesse and anita we are interviewing don Knowles. so for those that don't know who he is he is an expert on the holy face of jesus and don why is the holy face of jesus a remedy for today's world okay why do you think that is mm-hmm. so uh, so during the middle ages it took a repertory aspect all right sister mary st peter uh, um Pierina Ajili, and, and it came to the United States through Dolores Immaculata Ajili, and, and now it's in my hands. But there was no broken chain. There's a, there's a continuous link with every individual mentioned here, uh, also with, with St. Therese. Um, so why do I look at it being the remedy for today's world is because um, that's actually biblical. Um, and um, when we Look at the Old Testament, uh, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm going to recite two Chronicles, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Now, to set the context here, uh, Solomon built God's temple, and God was happy with the temple, but he was not happy with his people, because the, the people always tend to leave God, but God always gives things, and sometimes they're not pleasant, to maybe it'll cause people, his people, to turn back to him. So, um, so anyway, in two uh, Chronicles, chapter 7, verses uh, 13 and 14, uh, God is telling Solomon, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name, now again, that's not everybody, but the Israelites, uh, and we are the new Israel, you know, so we're included in this. You know, um, from the hierarchy right down to the to the leg, you know. Um, but if we, if we who are called, my people who are called by name, by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Mm. So. Now, in, in, if you're in the first century, you know, during the time of Solomon, you could, you'll hear this from Solomon and, and you'll say to yourself, but how do I find you a face, O Lord? You know, where do I find you a face? So now everything in the Old Testament points to the new. Everything leads to Jesus. So for that answer, where we find the face of God is we look in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. Uh, we find the answer to where we can find the face of Jesus, the face of God. Um, and the Apostle Philip, Jesus is talking to his apostles, and he said, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Mm. And Philip, the Apostle Philip, said to Jesus, well, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. And Jesus answered Philip and said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Hmm. How can you say, show us the Father? 
So we have the answer. We found the face of God. God revealed himself. Jesus is God. So now in response to two chronicles, he will hear our prayer from heaven. If we humble ourselves and pray, we found his face, but this leads to the church. It leads to the sacraments. So it's through his priests that we are absolved of, you know, uh, absolved. Jesus forgives, but it's through the priests we're absolved. He hears our prayers from heaven, and he will forgive our sins in the sacrament of reconciliation. And, you know, we, we reconcile our relationship mm -hmm. with God. So it leads to Jesus and, and to his sacraments, to his church. On top of that, Jesus gives us a tangible means to actually touch his face. Okay? Now, he told uh, Pirina that he seeks other Veronicas, um, and, and he does. You know, but but I like to encourage, let's do this on our own. Let's not look for promises, you know, what's attached to this particular devotion. Let's focus on Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. He is really suffering now. His church is suffering. We're all of us are carrying a cross. And it's and that's our church teaching. We have to bear with our cross. We have to go through this. And on top of that, he's asking us to step up even more. By making a, a an act of reparation, besides the prayer of reparation, an act like Veronica wiping his face, wiping the sweat, the spittle, and the tears. It's our turn now. We have to console our God. We have to be other Christs, you know. So anyway, so that's the direction that we're sort of taking now. Hey, you know? Don, let me ask you a question. Uh, this is kind of it's not off topic, but you probably. I don't know. You're probably elated and filled with joy when, when the movie The Passion of the Christ came out in 2004 with Mel Gibson and, and Jim Caviezel. I, I mean, that must have just, you must have been saying, this is everything I've been promoting. This is the power uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the holy face of Jesus and his sacred moons. I mean, just give me your synopsis in two minutes of the passion when you saw it. What sure, did it do sure, for you sure. personally? Pretty, pretty much. It was pretty close. There, there were some people that were pushing for me to consult on that. They were trying to get in touch with uh, hmm. Gibson. But in that event, it was pretty close. But it was based on the revelations of Catherine Emmerich. Okay. So Catherine Emmerich was wrong about, you know, this is where we have to be careful with private revelation. The nails and the palms, the shroud shows on the wrist, you, you know. So, yes, uh, there were more strikes, you know, more than one instrument used. You know, I, again, yes, I go through all this. But yes, it was it was very good. Another thing I like to bring out is the liturgical connections, right? Because did you see the Blessed Mother very reverently with that big white cloth wiping up the precious blood of her son? Yes. Do you know what that represents in our Catholic liturgy? When the, when the precious blood... When the pressure, the spilled, I guess I'm getting the purif the purificators, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. She, that represents a purificator. You're cleaning, the, mm -hmm. you're wiping up. Mm -hmm. So when we look at that movie, there's a lot of things. Sometimes people yes. see that maybe the director didn't have in mind, but we pick it up, you know. And it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, that movie was not a hundred percent, but yes, very. Uh, the people needed to see that, and it caused a lot of compunction in hearts. Now, by the way, that's why the devil hates uh, the holy face of Jesus, because of what it causes. It causes the person to feel compunction when you see the suffering face of Christ. And when you do see that suffering face, it doesn't reflect suffering. 
it reflects an image that shows us that I've accomplished what I set out to do, okay? There is no real suffering. It's a majestic look, you know? I've accomplished what I set out to do. So um, we have a really, really loving, loving God. Amen. Um, but that was pretty accurate. Don, so let, me ask you, let me ask you a personal question. What is the history of your miraculous image? So as I understand you, it's it's there's a long trajectory that maybe yeah. goes back all the way to, to the time of what you said, Odessa, Turkey. Is that the image that you have right now? The image that I have, this is that image. Now, um, like I said before, unfortunately, it's sort of wilting. Um, so, because I just before the show, like I told you, water spilt on it, and and it broke my heart. All right, but but it's but it's it's okay. I I took it out of the frame and out of the glass, so you don't have to see a reflection because I, I really wanted to show you know close up. And when there's a reflection, you can't see the blood that leaks off the image. I don't even know where I'm pointing here, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but there was a lot of, lot of blood flow, okay, from the image, from that image. While I'm talking about the holy face, what else is revealed, okay? Mm. Uh, we're familiar with the tradition of the Holy Grail. Um, traditionally, Joseph of Arimathea owned the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail traditionally contained the blood of Jesus. Uh, we never did find the Holy Grail. There were a lot of shroud researchers that believe the shroud is the Holy Grail uh, because it contains the, the blood of Jesus. Okay. Now, I myself also do, but for a different reason. Now, as a Catholic, okay, and studying early liturgical development through the early church, uh, in the early church, they would use the actual shroud, okay, for the altar cloth. Our altar, I'm not going to get into this too much, but the altar cloths represent the burial shroud of Jesus. Corporal, the long cloth, the pall, you, the blessing is you cover and then fold the body and blood of Jesus, just as he is in the shroud. So, in the first century, if you had the shroud folded in half and placed on, an, on a table, uh, we know the deacons would stay at each end of the altar as the, pre, as the bishop at that time would would consecrate. Um, now, Joseph of Arimathea, we know through the Gospels, owned the Holy Shroud. Traditionally, he owned the Holy Grail. Joseph of Arimathea certainly would have been at the first Eucharist, the first Mass in the first century. Now, if he's standing at one end of the table, you're looking at the image like this, okay? If you're at this end of the table, you're going to be looking at Jesus upside down. And what do you see immediately as soon as it's turned upside down? Do you see the chalice? Well, I can't see you. you see I, yeah, I can't we can't see, see, you. see you. So I we can't <laughs> see you. But, but you can't but, see the chalice. No, I we can't. I but but continue giving a, a, a painting a picture for the audience because we're on radio. Remember. Uh, oh, okay. I thought we were doing. Okay, this is the holy face, upside down. Immediately, you see a chalice. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Oh, so yes, it, yes. It makes practical sense that this is how the tradition of the Holy Grail developed. It contained the blood of Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea's connection. All right. 
So this is what makes practical sense. We found the Holy Grail in the Holy Face. Mm, that's that's a good connection. Yeah, that that makes sense very, to me. That is a very good connection. Yeah, the whole world. Uh, you yeah. got uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Hollywood making yeah, all these Raiders movies. Of the Lost uh, Ark. Yeah, with, uh, <laughs> in search of the Holy Grail. And, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Harrison yeah, yeah. Ford. Harrison Ford. Yeah. So you yeah. found it before Harrison Ford did. <laughs> we, we should call him and tell him, "Hey, we found it." <laughs> yeah, you're right. A guy, yeah, a guy uh, named Don knows has it. Uh, Hollywood, you guys could shut down your movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know what? We have to look at it practically, you know. Um, So my particular image, this image here, is actually the cover of a book. Any Shroud researcher knows this book. It was written years ago by Giuseppe Andre. He was a church-commissioned photographer to take pictures of the Holy Shroud. Okay, And he wrote a book on his findings. John, hold that thought, my friend. Hold that thought. We have a holy pause from Our Lady. While yes. <laughs> We're listening to Don Knows yeah. on the holy face of Jesus. Yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. Stay tuned. Stick around. We'll be right back. We are back. Thank you, Mother Mary, for our introduction. We are just Jesus 911, and we are interviewing Don Knows. Uh, Don, have there been any conversions to the holy face of Jesus? Can we you want to hear about us? them. We want to hear about conversions. Yes. Everybody likes stories of testimonies, right? (laughs) So, well, in fact, I do have testimonies, but I wasn't prepared with testimonies. But I'm going to give you the most important or two of them. Okay. Off the top of your head. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but, and this is why the devil hates. And let me tell you, I'm going to emphasize that. Hates Mm -hmm. and he'll do anything to stop the holy face of Jesus and that particular devotion. Mm-hmm. Um, because of what it causes, you know, the compunction in the heart. And, and we're going to go to the Gospels uh, to look at the first conversion, who happened to be our first Pope, Peter. Uh, Peter, as we all know, and I'm going to encourage anyone to read Matthew's account of this event. Uh, when they arrested Jesus, Peter sat in the outer courtyard, all right, Um and three people identified Peter as one of Jesus's followers. And he kept saying, no, I don't know the man. I'm telling you, I don't know the man. The third person that accused Peter of being one of the followers, and if you read Matthew's account of this, it tells us that Peter swore and he cursed. Now, we could fill in the blanks in the, in the 21st century here, you, you know, on what we would have said. But that's how severe, that's the severity of how Peter turned from Jesus. And, you know, when we read words, we really don't look at what's being said, but feel it. Put yourself as Peter and curse and swear. You know, here's the first Pope, cursing and swearing. So Mm. we're going to jump to Luke's account to see what happens next before Peter left. Just as Peter swore and cursed 
that he doesn't know Jesus. Jesus turned his head and glanced over and looked at his best friend. And just with that holy face, and Peter looked at Jesus, at the holy face of Jesus, beaten and battered. And it put compunction in his heart. And he heard the cock crow and he wept bitterly and then ran away, you know. Um, and now there's a tradition that for the rest of Peter's life, every time he heard a cock crow, he would break out and weep bitterly um, for the rest of his life. And so we understand what, what this means when we read Luke's account. Weeping bitterly or sobbing is when you sob uncontrollably and you can't catch your breath. Mm-hmm. You just keep sobbing. That's what happened, Peter. That's what he endured. A compunction in his heart. That was the very first conversion. Mm. Another, yeah, another um, account is with St. Therese Luzot. Now, this isn't a conversion, but it is where a grace where somebody at the last moment of their life okay, was saved through the prayers of someone else. Um, to understand this, again, I like to point out what happened at Fatima when the Blessed Mother showed the children hell. Those She said to the children, these souls are going to hell, not because they are not registered Catholics. Um, it's because they have nobody to pray for them. Okay, so this is where we, who are in a special union with Jesus, have the responsibility. We have moral responsibility. We have to pray for them. And their salvation, they can be saved. And we're going to meet them when we go to heaven. We're not going to know who's saved through our prayers. But one day we will meet, and they'll say, it's because of your prayer, Anita and Jesse, that I'm in heaven, that I'm saved. You know? And I think I think so, I, I want to say something. I think that's why we're going to Scottsdale to, to the, precisely. In, in a couple of hours. We'll be there for what? For the salvation of souls. For those people that are attending that conference, we want to primarily pray for their salvation to come back to the Catholic Church. Because, you know, many of them are baptized, probably Catholics or baptized Protestants. And, uh, if and that we leave up to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Use us as your instrument, Holy Spirit, right? That's what we, we say. That's it. We focus on the salvation of the soul. Yeah. God, give them the grace. Grace. Whatever you want, but give them the grace. We know, you know, we know what's going on, you know, but I don't know God's plan for anybody, but they might be saved because of our, our prayers. Amen. They might, there were people that lived the rest of their lives like that, yeah. but their souls might be saved because of our prayer. And, and that's the focus. But again, as I mentioned, we're, we're going to look at catechism because this is all church teaching. Okay? Mm-hmm. We, we, we don't need mystics to tell us what's going on in the church today. This confusion. or And, and this has Correct. to do with what's in Arizona. And, and, and I'm going to refer, and again, invite anyone listening. You, anything I say, just write the verse and if I, you know, if I remember it and point to it, where to read. And look at it for yourselves, you know. And I know you're familiar with this because um, you knew what I was going to read. <laughs> but we're going to look at the Catechism, uh, chapter 675. And uh, what the church teaches before Christ's second coming, 
the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. And we see this happening. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist, a pseudo-messianism by which man glorifies himself in place of God and his Messiah come in the flesh. So this is what, what um, if you look at Satan at the school activities, you know, it's, it's you take God out and it's you, you look at sciences and you look at what we have accomplished, what man can do. So this is precisely what's going on. This is Antichrist. And ex- exactly what the church teaches. This is their platform. So there are people there that might not be evil, but they're deceived. Yes. There's a screen over their eyes, you know, because there's an indoctrination. And when you hear one of the conferences being um, growing up in a, in a satanic household, what what do you see? The problem isn't with us. It's the next generation. You, you know, it's like, What's going to happen the next generation because they're growing up with this? You know, it's it's like abortion. We fight the good fight because we know what's going on. It's the second and third generation. Once it becomes legal, once it becomes nice and not a moral issue, we don't hear. And I want to get critical of the church. We don't hear much about anti-abortion. So it's the next generation, those growing up, knowing or thinking, well, it's legal. What's the problem? You know. We're aware of the moral issue because we're the ones fighting it. So it's the same thing. Once we let this spread, it's our children and our grandchildren who are going to suffer. Not us. We're going to stay with the sacraments. But it's them. It's for the future. They're going to grow up with this. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's legal. It's allowed. It's okay. You can't stop us. You know, it's not evil. We're just looking at what man can do. We don't need God. So this is this is the danger, you know. So we have to pray. Um, and I was going to mention Saint Therese. You know, when I talk about the power of the devotion to the Holy Face, and again, this is why the devil does not want this devotion, and he does not want the Holy Face of Jesus because what it what it can do. Don, let me ask Saint you a question. Let me ask you yeah. a question. I just want you to clarify something in our minds. Anita, in my mind, we were just talking in the break. Is 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 the holy image, the holy face of Jesus, is this connected to Veronica's veil? Okay. Um, no. Okay. Not my image. No. Okay. At one time, let me clear it up. At one time, Sister Mary of St. Peter, St. Therese, and, and, and I'm going to follow up on something. They, uh, they were devoted to the supposed image of the veil of Veronica. Okay. Now, in my research, there is no real veil of Iranic, right? And, and, and I don't want to upset anybody. Um, but it was an icon. Vera icon. True image. Veronica. And it used to be known as the Veronica. Right? Now, did somebody wipe the face of Jesus? We don't know. It's not in the Gospels. Uh, Veronica was not included in the Stations of the Cross until uh, not that long ago. Um, and not before the 6th century. There's no mention of Veronica. But 
the emperor of Constantinople gave an icon to the Pope. You know, I don't want to get too much in, into this. Okay. Okay. History, yeah. But again, that's another whole. Another yeah. Whole show. Let's go back to the but, holy image. Yeah. I don't anyway, get, I don't the veil of Veronica. Yeah. If there is a true one, I believe it's the one that's in the Vatican. There is no facial image. There's just a mass of blood. All right. Somebody might have wiped the face of Jesus. But a miracle did take place. But somebody drew an image according to what they saw. A miracle did play, take place. It's well documented. It happened in the Vatican when they brought it out for display, okay, which they do every year. The Veil of Veronica. It's one of the columns in St. Peter's, the Column of Veronica. But anyway, uh, so that image is what Mary of St. Peter, Leon Dupont, the holy man of Tours, Therese, that's what they venerated. Why? Because we didn't have any pictures of the shroud. We didn't have cameras. So that's the image they were devoted to. Otherwise, it would have been a shroud. Mm -hmm. So and I'm going to give you a Carmelite tradition because if there's any Carmelites watching, they might not even know this tradition because here we tend to lose traditions. Mm -hmm. But in Carmel, years back, there was a tradition that Therese died in 1898. Six months after Therese died, the first photographer, Segundo Pia, took the pictures of the Holy Shroud, and we finally had the real image. The tradition is that we had that through the intercession of St. Therese when she went to heaven. Donald, hold, so that thought, hold that thought, my friend. We got one last segment with Donald Knows. He's an expert on the holy face of Jesus' image. We're going to actually be meeting face-to-face -face in a few hours in Scottsdale, Arizona in the uh, prayer rally. We see you Stick there. around. One more segment. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. The Sacrament of Matrimony in Action, Justin and Anita, Friday's show, Jesus 911. And we have an incredible guest here, a wealth of information on the holy face of Jesus. Donald knows. My wife has a question for you, Don. Yeah, Don. Okay, so um, why does the devil hate the holy face of Jesus? Why is that? Do a I know deep you dive. mentioned a little bit of it at the, at yeah. the second segment. But if, yeah, yeah. If you do a deep dive on that, that would be perfect. Yep. It's because of what instills in the person when he really knows he's seeing the face of Jesus. He doesn't want anybody consoling God. Okay? Um, and yet through this image, and it's a church teaching, that when we make an act of veneration, it does not stay in image as image. Okay, uh, It passes through the image. As long as our intention mm -hmm. is to wipe the wounds or the sweat or the spittle, we will touch Jesus' face in a very real sense, okay? That event will take place. People in Arizona will touch the face of Jesus. King Umberto, I mean, royalty, peasants, saints, sinners have venerated this particular image. God has many graces to give to those who will venerate this image, okay? And this is the one I'm bringing. Um, so um, what it causes... And, and, and the power of the Holy Face devotion. Again, we're going to look at St. Therese. Okay? Why, the, why would the devil hate this devotion? You know, uh, Therese, 
was uh, full of zeal. You know, she was at a church one day and she leaned over a pew and in front of her, there was an image of the holy face of Jesus, the suffering face of Christ, full of blood. And she became full of zeal, you know, to, to try and win souls for Jesus. She felt such compunction for Jesus, you know, that she wanted to go out and win souls. So she goes into the town and she's thumbing through a newspaper. She was actually looking for somebody to pray for. And she comes across the name Henry Pranzini. Henry Pranzini was a murderer. He murdered two women and a child. And yet, Therese said to herself, I'm going to pray for Pranzini. I'm going to pray for his salvation. And she says, you know, God, I know that through my prayers, you will save Pranzini. But I'm going to ask you for a sign. Now, she prayed through the night. She asked her sister, Sister Genevieve of the Holy Face, and the other nuns prayed along with Therese for the salvation of Pranzini. Because Pranzini was never repentant, never admitted. Uh, he said he was innocent. When a priest would go to his cell and offer an, almost daily, you know, would you, would you like to receive the sacraments? No, no, I'm not guilty. Get out of here. He would chase the priest away. So Therese saw he was about to put, be put to death, you know, by, by guillotine. So she decided to pray for his salvation. Mm. She prayed through the night. So the next day, she runs back into the city, thumbing through the newspaper. This, by the way, this was in the New York Times, uh, this, this, uh, this uh, uh, episode. And, and she's thumbing through the paper, and she comes across the article on Henry Pranzine, who was indeed put to death. But as he approached, he was walking the plank to approach the guillotine. At the last moment, the priest held the crucifix out to him. He grabbed the crucifix and kissed the wounds of Jesus three times and gave the crucifix back to the priest and then had his head lopped off. Okay? And Therese said, that's the sign. That's the sign that I know that through my prayers, Pranzini was saved, that you saved his soul. Okay? Did this, did this so, happen in France or in Italy? This was in France. This is why we can't judge. But also like what I like to add is that, because it's very hard to imagine this, to picture this, mm -hmm. Therese was not a nun at this time. She was 14 years old. Wow. What kind of spirituality is that that comes from the Holy Face devotion? Her sister Genevieve tells us in the biography that no matter how devoted Therese was to the infant Jesus, her spirituality was developed through the devotion to the Holy Face. That's the power. Do you think the devil wants us saving souls? No, he'll do anything. And I stress that again, anything to stop the Holy Face of Jesus. So anyway, so that's... Uh, what an incredible but, story. Well, that's exactly why we're going out to Scottsdale, Arizona. Right. It's it's that understanding of prayers of reparation, prayers of conversion, meriting the grace of conversion for people that are in darkness, people that are malformed in their moral conscience. That's precisely some of these stories that you shared, Don, is precisely why hundreds, if not thousands of the Catholics are going to be for yes. the next three days in Scottsdale, Arizona praying in front of the Saguaro Hotel because we want to call down, draw down the, 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 the grace of conversion upon these people so they could be the next, uh, what's his name, Pranzini? What's his name? Henry Pranzini, but, but, he, but Therese didn't pray for his conversion. She prayed for his salvation. Okay. He, never, okay. he was never repentant. He never converted, but his soul was saved. 
Uh-huh. Again in Fatima. Again in Fatima. These souls are going to heaven because they have nobody to pray for them. Not because they're not converted. And, and I don't want to... But Yeah. This is this is no, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I love we leave it up to the Holy Spirit. But God give the grace for whatever for whatever your plan is. But we on earth, okay, the church militant, we on earth, when God has us in a special relationship with him, he's asking us to step up to the plate more. And in fact, it's more suffering, you know. We are being persecuted. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, again, I'm, I don't want to get critical with the church. Yes, see. But, but we're being, but <laughs> it's, we you it. carry your cross. You know what Jesus said? Carry your cross daily. But one more point on every bit of Jesus' passion, this is an example for us. What Jesus teaches us in the cross, okay, is that nobody escapes carrying a cross, not even the just. Jesus himself carried a cross. Two thieves were crucified with Jesus, one on the right, one on the left. The one on the right said, if you're the son of God, get yourself down and get us down too, for Pete's sake. Save us. He was obstinate. The gospels don't tell us what happened to him. The thief on the left said, what's the matter with you? We deserve what we're, our punishment. This man is innocent. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He used his cross as a penance. Okay? Jesus carried his cross with love. So there's three ways to carry a cross. This is what we're going through in the church. We can stand and say, bah, 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 this guy, that carnal, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, I don't want this. Just get rid of them. Or we can embrace the cross and use it as a penance, which many Catholics are now. Yeah. We're carrying yeah. the cross. Or like Jesus, we can embrace it with love for the salvation of others. You know? M- music to my ears, everything you're saying, because again, am I not myself and Anita uh, organizing this prayer rally? You know, we, we've taken some criticism, some hits, mm-hmm. but yeah, right. your words are like balm to our soul, mm-hmm. realizing, you know what, we just, we'll just offer whatever hits we take as penance, because we know, obviously, right. the the evil is trying to cause division as a result of something good that's yeah, going to occur for the next few days. But yeah. There's one key word you just said, soul, okay? That's the focus. Principal, we're fighting principal, like Paul says, and you know what Paul said. We're fighting principalities, and, and we are. But we don't even focus on that. We focus on the soul. What do we have to do to save our brother's soul or our sister's soul? You know, that's what it is. That's what we're called to do. And we're called to do more, more, more suffering, more praying. You know, God, when does it get easy? <laughs> it doesn't, you know it will yeah. be easy at the i know when done i know when 15, 15 minutes under 15 minutes after we're under the grave it'll get easier, <laughs> it'll get easier. when our bodies yeah. are cold yeah I, I gotta tell you what there's no smile on jesus's face right now okay but when he does come back and he looks at you and he says anita Don't make me cry. Yeah. Oh, what happened to Don? Okay. Don, are you there? Yeah, go ahead, Don. You got cut off for a second, for a few seconds. The 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 enemy didn't want you to get out your message. Go ahead. Yeah, he didn't want me to hear that, what you had to say. <laughs> what do you, you want to hear that, right? <laughs> it's about me. I want to hear it. So I said, we will know when, we, when Jesus comes back at the second coming, you know, when all suffering and forces are gone and he looks at Anita he looks at you and you have a smile on your face or you know 
how did I make out Jesus? You know, and if he, if he looks at you and he, and he smiles at you, Anita, and he says, Anita, you come over here on my left. You're going to jump out of that chair. Your shoes are going to stay on the floor. You're going to jump through the roof. And you're going to stand and land next to Jesus. And you're going to say, Jesus, thank you. I, I suffered in this life. I offered everything up for you. And you remembered your promise. He's coming back. That's the message of the Holy Shroud. I'm coming back. What a promise. What a good God we have. He's coming back for us. Praise you know? God. How beautiful. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yes. That's beautiful. It's, you're making me teary-eyed. Yeah, Don, like we're going to be meeting in a, few, in a few hours from now. We're, we're down to the end of the show. Any last comments you want to share with the audience on well, the holy one, face one, of Jesus? One challenge for your listeners. My listeners out there, you heard Jesse say, we're going to see you in one hour. So I want you to think about something. I'm in New York. He's in Arizona. When I get done with this show, I'm going to pack. I'm going to sleep for a couple of hours. I'm going to take a flight, a five-hour flight to Arizona, but I'm going to see you guys in one hour. So I'm going to ask your viewers to figure that one out. So. <laughs> That's right. Figure it out. That's right. By location. logic. Yeah. There is one final thought. And again, and and I and I, and I will I will say to the viewers that that just before this call, one minute before the call, water was spilled. Uh, I'm, I'm getting teary right now, <laughs> all over the miraculous image. I did use this cloth to wipe it, so there is, and maybe it's God's will. So of course it picked up some of the blood, but I'm going to bring this to Arizona with me, you know, and and because this now will be a relic, you know. And, and we can cut it out and give it to the sick. God uses these things. In Acts of the Apostles, we see Paul taking Darius, touching them to his body, and giving them out, and people were healed. I don't know if you recall this. So God does use objects, you know. So I'm going to bring this with me that was used to make the, the miraculous image, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, bring anyway, it. the devil doesn't want this, my friends. No. But too bad. <laughs> Don, thank you very much, my friend. We'll have to do this again, and we'll no, see you in a couple of hours. Wonderful information. Got to have amazing you on the show information. Again. That's I'll a see wrap. you in one hour. You got Great it. See you. <laughs> That's a wrap. Jesus, have a safe one. night. All right, uh, guys. Sacrament of Matrimony in action. Yes. Uh, both of us, former first responders, retired cop, retired nurse. It is the end of Watch EOW. See you next time. Happy Valentine's Day. Saint Valentine's Day. Have a blessed weekend. See you at the rally.